All right, well, let's take our Bibles tonight and let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 13. And if you'll remember last week, we entered into a chapter that was very difficult in some cases in, in areas of our culture to discuss when we're talking about really two of, of the most wicked sins that the Bible recounts for us in this narrative. And uh, David, as you know, he's already had problems with his family, already had problems dealing with uh, family problems, and that would be the one really chink in his armor, uh, so to speak. And we looked at last week the, the evil that was starting to come from within, and that was Amnon's sin of lust and then of rape, and, and how much God hates that. But as much as God hates rape, and as much as God hates any sin that we do, or any sin that is done to us, there is a sin that God hates for us to let fester, and that is the sin of bitterness. And that is exactly what we find in Absalom's heart. Let's back up a few verses from where we were last week, and, and let's look at verse 20 of chapter 13. It says, And Absalom her brother said unto her, Hath Amnon thy brother been with thee? But hold now thy peace, my sister, he is thy brother. Regard not this thing. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. But when King David heard of these things, he was very wroth. And if you'll remember, I said last week, that's all the Bible says about it, because that's all that happened. He was wroth, but he did not deal with it. And we'll find that here in the next couple of chapters, how things come up and, and that this is a continual lesson to us through this narrative, as, especially as parents, to deal with things when they come up in our children's lives. And Absalom spake, verse 22, unto his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad, for Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. Let's pray before we jump into this. Father, you do use some pretty strong language in this narrative here about hate and about bitterness. Lord, I just ask that you would teach us from your word tonight how not to let things fester in our own lives, Lord, to capture those thoughts uh, that, that come into our minds, whether it be a spouse that has said something or someone else, or even something that's been done in the, in the long ago past that we need to tonight learn about forgiveness. And so, Lord, would you do that work in our own lives, and Lord, even just prepare us uh, for, for Lord... Uh, our own lives, but, but being able to teach others. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Two full years have now passed. And that's where we find ourselves in verse 23. It says, And it came to pass after two full years. That's a long time to let something fester. But oftentimes men and women do the same thing. Absalom didn't mean what he said when he told Tamar, It's okay. Don't regard this thing. He's your brother. From that very moment, as we're going to see, as one very sly man will make, we'll make a, a comment here in a few verses, that from the moment 
that this sin took place, Absalom had it in his heart to kill Amnon. Let's continue to read here. And it came to pass after two full years that Absalom had sheep shearers in Belhazar, which is beside Ephraim. And Absalom invited all the king's sons. And Absalom came, uh, came to the king and said, Behold now, thy servant hath sheep shearers. Let the king, I beseech thee, and his servants go with thy servant. And the king said unto Absalom, Nay, my son, let us not all go now, lest we be chargeable unto thee. And he, said, and he pressed him, howbeit he would not go, but blessed him. The first thing we see here in this passage is the manipulation of, of Absalom. And you can see that very clearly. Uh, he wants the king to come himself with him, or it's so it seems, and that was really not the case. Here you have a child who's asking a question, and he knows what the king is going to say to it, and then he goes and guilt trips him. Have you ever seen a kid maybe who wants his way, uh, but maybe if you could think of a hypothetical here with me for a second, he asks his father for some big thing like a uh, video game console or something like this, and the father cannot, the father cannot afford that, and so you know he's, he says, "Dad, you never get anything for me. You know all I, you know all I want tonight is an ice cream cone." And so the dad says, oh, "Okay, okay, I'll, I'll bring home an ice cream cone." And so the kid ultimately gets what he wants, but it was manipulation that got it for him. And here we see the same thing. Absalom does not really want David to be there. He knows David, the king of Israel, is very busy. He has things to do. He cannot be there. And so he asks him in verse 24, And Absalom came to the king and said, Behold, now thy servant hath sheep shears. Let the king, I beseech thee, and his servants go with thy servant. He's being very respectful, so it seems. And obviously David says, no, I cannot, I cannot come with you, and accept, you know, but, but I will send you, I, I will bless you. Verse 26, he asks what he really wants then. He puts a guilt trip on David. Then said Absalom, if not, I pray thee, let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said unto him, why should he go with thee? But Absalom pressed him that he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. And this, is, this, is, this manipulation was very, very much a part of who Absalom was. Probably because sin was not dealt with in his life early on, but he was a very spoiled prince like Amnon was and was not dealt with with his father. His father gave in to him and really... He's going to suffer the consequences of it now. The second thing we see in this passage is then the murder of, of Amnon. Look at verse 28 with me. Now Absalom had commanded his servants, saying, Mark ye now when Amnon's heart is merry with wine, and when I say to you, smite Amnon, then kill him. Fear not, for I have commanded you, be courageous and be valiant." And the servants of Absalom did unto Amnon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's sons arose, and every man got him, got him up upon his mule and fled. And we, we're not given the full picture here because it's only given to us in two verses. 
But if you can imagine with me, they all go out. He's got his sheep shears. Either they're being invited to shear sheep or something, but they have wine out there. They get Amnon drunk, and then the, the moment he is merry with wine, after they've made him sin, they sin again by going and killing him. And it is a very vile thing, but this is what, this is what bitterness leads to. Maybe bitterness in your life hasn't led you to kill someone, but maybe you've let it fester and, and it's turned into hate towards someone or disgust towards someone. And God calls that sin just as much. J- Jesus himself in the Sermon on the Mount told them that if you hate your brother, it's as, as if you've murdered. God considers that just as bad. And here we find Absalom, it happens just the way he's planned it out. He's manipulated it, and now he's carried out the, the murder. And now, really, the full brunt of that prophecy of Nathan has come down, where the sword has now not departed from David's house. The sword is in David's house, and there's evil from within, just as he had prophesied two years earlier. And as a result of this, now all of the sons of David hear about this. They get up on their mules and they scatter. They're, they're gone. They're, they're, they don't want to be uh, as dead as Amnon was. And all of this comes back to the king and, and, and it's told to the king that all of those sons are dead. Let's look here in verse 30. And it came to pass while... They were in the way that tidings came to David, saying, Absalom hath slain all the king's sons, and there is not a one of them left. Imagine that. God, you promised that my line would be forever, and now I have no one but Absalom left. All the king's sons are dead, so, so, so to think. And, and he's hearing this. In verse 31, And the king arose and tare his garments and lay on the earth, and all his servants stood by with their clothes rent. So this, this was not just a short time. There was some time there where these tidings were believed to be true, but they weren't true. And now a certain sly, evil man enters the picture once again. Jonadab, verse 32. And Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother, answered and said, Let not my lord suppose that they have slain all the young men and the king's sons, for Amnon's, for Amnon only is dead. For by the appointment of Absalom, this hath been determined from the day that he forced his sister Tamar. There's where we find. Jonadab was a very crude, very very crafty individual, very observant. And remember how he told Amnon how to go about doing this sin. Well, he knew the moment he did that, that Absalom had this plan, this master plan, and he observed it from the moment that happened. Absalom was not going to have any of it. He was going to murder uh, his half-brother. Verse 33, Now therefore, let not my lord the king think, uh, take this thing into his heart, to think that all the king's sons are dead, for Amnon only is dead. But Absalom fled, and the young man 
that kept the watch lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there came much people by the way of the hillside behind him. And Jonadab said unto the king, Behold, the king's sons come, as this servant said, so it is. And it came to pass, as soon as he had made an end of speaking, that, behold, the king's sons came and lifted up their voice and wept. And the king also and all his servants wept very sore. And here we find the manipulation of Absalom, the murder of Amnon, and then the mourning of David. And David here is sorry for what has happened. And he probably knows that it is a righteous thing for Amnon to die according to the law of Moses, but it should have been David being the one to take care of it. And now he not just only has one son dead, but legally there should be another son dead now. And he is mourning over all of this. If he is truly to take care of this, he is either going to have to do one thing or another. He is going to have to publicly forgive and try and do what he's supposed to do and restore his son, or he will have to kill his son. And his son will even come out and say that here as we go into the further chapters. Verse 37, But Absalom fled and went to Talmai, the son of Amahud, king of Geshur, and David mourned for his son every day. So Absalom flees, and he goes towards uh, towards Geshur, which, which is where uh, the mother's side of his family lives, and that's where he's going to be. And it says that, in verse 38, And so Absalom fled and went to Geshur and was there three years. Three full years he stays there. And the soul of King David longed to go forth unto Absalom, for he was comforted, concerning Amnon, seeing he was dead. He knew that it was the right thing for Amnon to be dead, for a, for a man who had committed rape and incest to be dead. He was comforted in that fact, but he longed for his son to be back home. He wasn't going to go do it. He wasn't going to go restore the relationship, but David knew down deep that this, this sin of bitterness between sons was not right and that he as a father had not stepped in and dealt with it. He longs to make it right, but it never happens because David does, is not intentional in the relationships with his kids. So now Absalom flees and David mourns for his son at the end of verse 37 every day. Every single day, and he's, he's, dwell, uh, he, he's, he's mourning over his children. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 tells us that as it is possible that we should live peaceably with all men. And Absalom did not follow that, that principle at all. Granted, he did not have the book of Romans, but he knew that he could forgive his brother Amnon. He could forgive his father for not dealing with his brother, maybe like he ought to, but instead he let it fester. I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. 
If you have ought against someone, it should never be allowed to fester bitterness in your heart because it never stays in your heart. It's waiting to explode up in somebody's face, in your own face, and it always hurts other people. God's Word tells us that. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15, it says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. How many of you have failed of the grace of God? Can I see your hands? Okay, if you haven't, uh, <laughs> all right, then you're more perfect than, than anybody else. We've all failed of the grace of God. Okay, but the Bible tells us not just that we all have failed of the grace of God. It says to what? Look diligently. Make sure that you're paying attention because when people fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, it makes it personal, and thereby what? Many be defiled. So it gives several different commands in that. It says, look diligently. Make sure that you're paying attention because people are going to fail. People are going to fail of the grace of God. And you need to be looking into your own heart and asking God to help you not let things fester and spring up and trouble you. Have you ever been troubled? Just troubled. Do you know what that feels like? Just where you just can't, you're not settled. There's no peace. There's continual turmoil in your spirit towards another person or with another person or with something that's happened. And you just can't. And God says, do not let that happen. What do we need to do in that moment? What do we need to do? We need to turn to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I know what my flesh is thinking right now. I need to take these thoughts captive and I need you to fill me with your love. Because if this is allowed to be in me, there will be thoughts, I will be troubled for a long period of time, and others are going to be defiled. It's not just, if, if we really truly thought about what bitterness would cost us, we would, we would ask the Lord twice to just remove this from us. Because we do not need to be mad or bitter or, or letting something trouble us, springing up and, and other people being defiled. Look at Mark chapter 11 with me, and this is where we'll end tonight. Hebrews chapter 12 was what the Bible says will happen when bitterness is allowed. And here in Mark chapter 11, this is what should have happened in Absalom's life. Mark chapter 11 Verses 25 and 26. Verse 25 says this, And when ye stand praying, say the next word with me, forgive. If ye have aught against any, and your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. 
But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. That's pretty strong. And that's coming from who? Jesus. Is Jesus saying that he won't forgive you or that he doesn't have the power to forgive you? No, not at all. He's saying that you will not be forgiven when you choose not to forgive. Why? Because you're sinning when you do not forgive. So you cannot be completely clean unless, unless you truly uh, say, Lord, I am I'm, I'm accepting your love to take away my troubled spirit, to take away my bitterness. And God says, I, I, can't, I can't help you. I cannot draw you close to me unless you're, for, you're forgiving other people. So tonight, what I want us to, to really hone in on is that the love of Jesus Christ, the love of God's forgiveness, is, is what needs to be flowing through us, and that is the answer to bitterness.